Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The New Testament lesson for today is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This can be found on page 1080 of your Pew Bible. This passage contains the risen Christ's final words of instruction before his ascension. Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit will empower them to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. A reading from Acts chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles when he had chosen, whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when, they had, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. If for some reason after all this time, you have somehow managed to think that I was cool. Well, I am about to burst that bubble this morning <laughs> because from around the ages of 10 to 16, my grandpa was my best friend. And I don't mean that to just say that we loved each other and that we got along. I mean that very literally. My grandpa was my best friend. I would cancel plans with friends my age to go home and hang out with him. 
And he would listen to whatever gossip I had to talk about from school that week or talk about whatever boy that I was crushing on. And once I finally gave him a second to say something, he would say some old-timey Irish saying that I had no idea what he meant, and we would just laugh. Well, a few years before he died, he gave me this special gift. Now, to anyone else, this is just a standard old-looking pocket watch that now has no hands. But to me, this is my grandpa's pocket watch, the one that he bought secondhand because he never bought a single thing at full price, (laughs) the one that he brought with him to World War II, and the one he gave to me to always remember him by. And as I've been reflecting on the end of this year, I've realized that this pocket watch is just one of the many things that I've been given throughout my life. Life is full of collecting the things we've been given on our journey. And as we look back on this past year, I'm sure that you've been given something too. And I mean more than what we were just given for Christmas, or more than even my old pocket watch. For some of you, 2023 gave you great things. A relationship that brought you joy and comfort. A new member of the family. An increased faith or a reassurance of God's goodness. And for some of you, 2023 gave you great hardship. A life-changing diagnosis. An unexpected financial hardship. Or a division in a relationship. And while life gives us many things, good and bad, we see in our text today that we have all been giving something even greater even bigger, even better than the good and the bad things of this past year. We pick up this morning in our three-year walk through the Bible in the book of Acts. Authored by Luke, the book of Acts is a continuation of the book of Luke, which tells an amazing story of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we pick up in part two of the story in the book of Acts where Luke will tell us and the early church how this story will continue even after Jesus is no longer on earth. The book opens with the resurrected Jesus presenting himself to many people, including the apostles, after they had witnessed him die on a cross. Now, can you just imagine the roller coaster of emotions the apostles must have felt in that span of time? From the intense grief of seeing your friend and the person that you put all of your faith into, the person you left everything behind for, to witness them die a criminal's death, to the wondering 
and hesitant excitement when they found the tomb empty. To now, the pure joy of being met with the resurrected Jesus. And while the joy of being together again must have been so heartfelt, I'm sure in the back of their minds, the apostles knew the time for them to be reunited in this way was limited. Jesus' time here on earth was done, and he needed to return back to the Father. If you've had to part ways with someone that you've loved dearly, you know the heartbreak that comes with saying goodbye. But just like my grandpa leaving me his pocket watch so he would always be with me, Jesus leaves us all something better so that God will always be with us. Let's read verse 4 and 5 to find out what Jesus gives us before he is reunited back to the Father. Verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus leaves us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has often been viewed as this mysterious member of the Trinity. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, he's often referred more to as an it or a force than a person. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Holy Trinity, along with the Father and the Son. And while each of them are distinct from one another, all three of them are fully God and have existed since the beginning of time and will exist forever. Among the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, I think, is talked about significantly less than Jesus, the Son, and God the Father. And I think many of us shy away from talking about the Holy Spirit because we struggle to find adequate vocabulary to speak about or even name this remarkable person that liberates, heals, and transforms lives. The Holy Spirit is God's power in action. We often equate the Holy Spirit to breath or wind, which is what the Greek word for Holy Spirit translates to. And these expressions of the Holy Spirit all share the same sense of something invisible to humans that produces visible effects. When the Holy Spirit moves, you can feel the atmosphere change. Maybe you have felt that almost inexplicable atmospheric shift right here in the sanctuary. That's an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe 
you felt a sudden sense of clarity on something that you've been wrestling on for a while. That is the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you felt time and a peace that peace in a time that was anything but peaceful. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the power to restore, heal, and give us wisdom. But you know what? That sounds awesome. When we're sitting here in the pews and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but then we step outside. We open up the news. We get hurt by someone we love. And instead of that quiet peace in our hearts, we want God to come down here and make everything right. We want him to fix all the brokenness in the world. And you know what? The apostles thought something very similar. Let's look together at verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Throughout Jesus' ministry, the people were begging him to overthrow the Romans, their oppressors. They wanted Jesus to be this big, strong military leader that defeated their enemies by forceful action. They wanted Jesus to do things the way, the way they thought was best. And this long-term plan of saving the world from sin didn't seem like the better option when they were going through daily oppression. I'm sure they thought to themselves, Jesus, can't you end this right now? Let's destroy everything that is hurting us. So they asked Jesus one more time, even after him seeing him rise from the dead, they say, let's just give it one more shot. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? It almost seems comical the way that they're asking Jesus this, even after everything that they have witnessed. But if we are being honest with ourselves, haven't we all asked a similar question? Jesus, will you at this time fix my marriage? Jesus, will you at this time find me employment? Jesus, will you at this time Get me into a good college. I know I have prayed prayers that seemingly went unanswered. I've begged and begged God to make something happen that didn't happen the way I wanted it to. We too sometimes want Jesus to swoop in, take away all the bad things, defeat all of our enemies and help us be the victors in our stories. Well, let's look at how Jesus responds to the apostles and how he responds to us when we ask for things over and over. 
Verse 7, he says, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Why do our pleads to God feel delayed at times? Put simply, it's not for us to know. Weirdly, this interaction between the apostles and Jesus reminds me of my cat, Mila. She is obsessed with food and will start begging for her dinner hours before it's time. Starting around 3 p.m., she will run up to me every 20 minutes or so And if I could be so bold as to interpret her meows, I think it would sound like this. Will you at this time feed me? And I, as her master and the only one in the relationship who knows the time, quite literally, I'm the only person in that relationship who can read a clock But I know when she gets her dinner. I know when it's time. And I know when it's not time. And when it becomes time for her to receive dinner, she will get it. She has never once gone hungry. She will always be fed when the time comes. Admittedly, this is kind of like my relationship with God. I am so bold to think I know the timing of things, when in reality, I am like my cat Mila begging for dinner at 3 p.m. God always provides in his timing. He is never early or late. He is always right on time. So what is it that we are receiving right on time? Well, this is the best part. So let's keep reading. Verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power. Instead of God's spirit dwelling in one human body in Jesus, God's spirit now dwells in all of us. That's how the story that Jesus began continues in the book of Acts. The work of Jesus is continued after his ascension into heaven, and it's through generations and generations of Christ followers that allowed the Holy Spirit to take shelter in their hearts. And it's through each one of us now. 
The Holy Spirit dwells in you. That is a promise given to us by the Father. And guess what? His promises are always true. The power of the Holy Spirit is stronger than the biggest military force on the planet. And it's greater than any of our worst fears. Let me remind you of the words it says in Romans. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That, my friends, is power. All those things that, been, have, that have been given, the good and the bad, none of those things have any power over us when we have the Holy Spirit within us. And not only does the Holy Spirit dwell in us, the Holy Spirit is poured out on us to empower us to do incredible things. We see further in the book of Acts remarkable miracles being performed by the apostles in Jesus' name. And did you know that today, with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we can do seemingly impossible things. Some might even call them miraculous. We can pray boldly for those who are sick. And we can go forth with signs and wonders. We can share our faith with the hard people in our lives. We move with confidence because of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As we look into this next year, God wants to do something incredible in and through you. He wants to fill you and drench you with his Holy Spirit. And he wants you to be a witness to all people. Even if you don't feel it, if you have received Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't think God can use you, well, I'm sorry to say this, it's not your decision. <laughs> He's already made that decision to continue the work through flawed vessels like you and me. God has and will use you not because you are qualified. He uses us because he qualifies us through his Holy Spirit power. We have serious limitations when we try to move forward without the Holy Spirit. And I know 
we live in a community of planners. So I'm guessing many of us, before we got to church this morning, were already thinking three, four, six months ahead of time, what needs to get done, what things need to, need to get planned. And I am like that too. We tend to do that as humans. We just move forward and we move fast. And we really try to do things on our own strength. But you know where that leads us? Feeling burnt out, discouraged, and exhausted. There's a lot of incredible things to look forward to. And there is good work to be done. But we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit because he is the one to do the heavy lifting. We need the Holy Spirit before we go out and do anything next year. We can't do it on our own because we're not supposed to do it on our own. Jesus made a way. Through his sacrificial death and resurrection, he made a way for us to be filled up with Holy Spirit power. So this morning at the end of the service, there will be a special opportunity for those who would like to respond to that invitation. We'll have a prayer team lined up in front of the altar for those who would like to receive a fresh outpouring from the third person of the Trinity, from the Holy Spirit. Or if you're in need of healing, whether it's physical or emotional healing, I also encourage you to come up for prayer at the end of the service. If you would like this fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, please stay in the sanctuary after the conclusion of the service. Simply just form a line down the center and out through the sides. There is no better way to start our year than to ask the Holy Spirit to come, to fill us up, to surrender whatever is ahead to the hands of a God who knows what goes before us. So let's receive his strength, his wisdom, and his power before we embark into a new year. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.